gone to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Uh, hello and welcome to the program. You are listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Slowly but surely building a movement of following a cult. And I'm going to be the leader. That's why I'm growing my hair so long. It's not laziness. I'm going to be a cult leader. Anyway. We have to get right to it tonight. You might have noticed yesterday, and I believe I saw this live or right after it happened, as President Trump was walking through the Senate office building hallways, somebody threw something at him. I'm like, is that confetti? Is that a glitter bomb? It turned out it was Russian flags thrown by a, a protester. And my guest joining me once again on the Joey Clark Radio Hour, Rimzo Martinez. Rimzo, how are you this evening? Joey, I'm doing much better than that guy that's now being held by the Secret Service. Thank you for having me on. Well, and you messaged me yesterday saying you knew this guy. You you have a background with him. You know what he's all about. Uh, explain the story here for folks. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Throw Flags in Your Face, Ryan Clayton. That's Ryan Clayton. He's a professional agitator. He's a personal employee of Robert Kramer. He's a, you know, a giant super PAC guy. He was very close with the Obama administration. He was there as a consultant when they were drafting the Affordable Care Act, um, the Wall Street financial compensation policy, and everything else. Every major accomplishment of the Obama administration, both the Obamas, Valerie Jarrett, and Kramer himself, all say how close they were during those eight years. And Ryan Clayton is a professional agitator. What he does is he goes to conservative events and essentially what he wants to do is he wants to strike panic. It doesn't even have to be much. We saw how much uh, you know people flipped out yesterday when he threw a bunch of uh, Russian flags at President Trump. But all you need is just a few cameras there and the Internet, and you can make something small look like wildfire. Yes. I first met Ryan Clayton uh, last February at CPAC. I was covering CPAC, and as I was walking past Broadcast Row... I saw a gentleman who was passing out Russian flags that happened to have the word Trump in the middle of them. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh, that guy's passing out flags. I didn't take notice as to what they were yet. But I was like, I'll take one. Actually, I'll take two. I'll take one for my brother, too. So I take these flags, and he's more than happy to give them to me. And I'm walking away, and I look at them. And I'm like, wait a second. These, these are Russian, and they say Trump. So I show them to my brother, and I'm like, Ryan... Um, is this what I think it is? And he's like, those are Russian flags that say Trump in it. So then I go over to another friend of mine that's there, uh, Maya Baeza. She's a writer with Turning Point News. And I'm like, Maya, I need a favor. I'm going to go talk to this guy. I need you to take pictures of me in case, you know, anything happens. Right. So I go back over there and I'm like, excuse me, sir, I have a question. Are these Russian flags? He's like, no, they're just American flags. I'm like, well, then why does it look like the Russian flag? And then he's like, Oh, well, I guess it's just the way that we decide to do it. I'm like, well, why not just pass out American flags? He's like, well, I want Trump in there. I'm like, oh, so you want Trump in the Russian flag. 
And he said, no, if you think it's Russian, that's your own thing. So then I'm just kind of standing there dumbfounded. I'm like, who are you exactly? I don't see a name tag on you. Because this was the day that the president was showing up, everyone had to have their convention pass, and he didn't have one. So he's like, oh, I'm the, I'm the Republican chairman of the, um, the uh, Republican Party of Iowa, <laughs> a man who I've actually met on several occasions. So I'm looking at him, I'm like, huh, this is strange. Yeah, I just made up a name. I'm like, uh, you know, uh, Michael? He's like, oh, yeah, Michael's my best friend. We, we do everything together. I'm like, man, I just made that up. And he's like, I don't know what you're trying to pull, man, but you're making me nervous. So I'm like, you're making me nervous? I'm making you nervous? And he's like, why are you, why are you getting in my face? I'm like, I just want to know what's going on. And next thing he's like, are you Project Veritas? I'm like, I just want to know what's, what, what's going on here, man. And he's like, oh, everyone wants to know what's going on there. <laughs> so then I'm, you know, I'm pointing to to uh, Maya, I'm like, hey, you need to get closer pictures of this guy. All the pictures you can see on my Facebook page, Remso W. Martinez, R-E-M-S-O-W. Martinez, you can see all the photos. But at this point, I'm like, dude, just just go. You don't, you're, you're obviously here to agitate people. Just leave. We're having a good event. You don't have to be here if you don't like it. Just leave. At that point, he's like, huh, that's a nice suit. And I'm like, um, thanks. And then he's like, it looks like you're concealing something. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I realized that when he turned his head, he noticed that there were several U.S. Marshals walking past us. And he was like, you're freaking me out. It looks like there's a bulge under your arm. Do you have a gun? Which I don't. I didn't. But he's getting louder and louder and louder. At that point, um, I realized Maya's taken enough photos. I leave. I throw the flags back at him. I'm like, there, take him. He's like, thank you, and pass them back out to somebody else. And I go to the U.S. Marshals. I'm like, there's something wrong with that dude. And eventually he did get removed after getting into the main auditorium and passing them out. And uh, as he was later escorted by Secret Service after screaming, Russia, 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 uh, Clayton had gotten everything he needed. But all he needed to do was, you know, just do a little bit of digging. What I've seen is that he's been jumping from pack to pack, whether it's Bold Progressive or America United or all these other progressive packs that have come out the last couple of years. You need him to go, you know, cause a ruckus somewhere. Clayton is there. And what Clayton represents is a, you know, and I don't want to sound Alex Jones-like, but he represents a cartel of PACs and these fringe groups. In Virginia, we have a movement known as uh, Indivisible, where basically what the Democratic Party is doing is they're creating these Tea Party-like groups where basically they can meet up, you know, when they're not doing stuff for the Democratic Party. They can say, oh, we're going to go ahead and just pass out flyers that we made at home. And while they're doing this, while they're basically doing what they would do as volunteers, they could print out flyers and say whatever they want. They can go ahead and say whatever they want. So when somebody confronts them on it and then they go back to the Democratic Party, they're like, won't you take responsibility for this? They could say, no, they were doing that on their own time. We have no responsibility over them. And you see this all the time. These activists, these agitators, it's not like the Tea Party. The Tea Party was actually authentic. The Tea Party had PACs, and you know I think the PACs led to the demise of the Tea Party years later. But what they're basically doing is they're basically trying to, um, you know, fake the grassroots, so to speak. Clayton, several weeks ago, actually, um, you know, he, he uncovered a Project Veritas reporter that was going within one of uh, Robert Kramer's PACs. And he stalked her, he verbally harassed her, and, I mean, that girl was in fear of her safety. And that's just that. Uh, and then yesterday, the incident happened in the Senate building, President Trump occurred. But these people are vicious. And you can go ahead and go on to Project Veritas and see the video of Ryan Clayton. That person's a vicious sociopath. He has 
no, he has no redeemable factors, and he'll do whatever Robert Kramer and the left pay him to do. Because at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is something I believe. Um, I think they're trying to enact the Cloward Piven strategy, which is, which is essentially um, what they tried to do over the Obama years. They tried to inflate the size of the state, increase the welfare state, and at the same time create racial and you know civil and class strife amongst the populace to go ahead and get them get them to the point where they go ahead and start, you know, lashing out in violence. We're already seeing this on the streets of our college campuses where, you know, I, I'm in D.C. right now in a couple of days and Antifa is going to go march through the streets and they've already said that they will do any, uh, anything necessary to go ahead and kick out conservatives and then anyone that doesn't meet their agenda. So well, these people, I mean, they're, they're uncovered. It's ridiculous. Well, and it's... It's disturbing on many levels. You know, it's one thing, oh, somebody threw Russian flags at the president, somebody's crazy, maybe it was a joke. But, you know, the most uh, disturbing thing and the type of person he is, is you saying that he essentially was trying to yell and be loud with U.S. Marshals near you and accuse you of having a gun on you in order to have you essentially detained or arrested or removed and it's that type of person who blatantly lies to have guys who are the literal authority crack down on somebody for, again, a lie. It just shows the lengths people will go to when they get politics too much on the brain. And it's it amazes me also, Rimzo. And again, folks, I'm talking to Rimzo Martinez. Go to his website, RimzoRepublic.com. You can also find him, Rimzo W. Martinez, on Facebook. Uh, it amazes me, this Cloward and Piven strategy. They talk about, oh, let's create strife in the streets, and people will clamor for some government agency or some government movement to save them. Did, do they not understand, like, even communist history, how this gives rise to strong men? How what George Orwell wrote about, that the communists do the work of centralizing power, then strong men take over? Like, it, it seems so short-sighted, so petty, so self-destructive. It's ultimately the ultimate play on ignorance of history. It's not just that, it's ignorance of reality. This actually, um, and I, it's, it's funny because I watched that whole incident with the flags in the Senate building live as well, and I knew that was Ryan Clayton. Mm. Within a few seconds of seeing his face and hearing what he was screaming, treason, treason, Russia, Russia, I was like, oh my God, Ryan, is that you, buddy? <laughs> and uh, it, it actually, you know, with, with Kramer and everyone else, it actually fell into a current investigation I was doing. I'm a independent journalist, but I've been working with some friends over at the Republican Standard. It's Virginia's, uh, you know, foremost conservative outlet. And I've been investigating a, a fundraiser that occurred several weeks ago with Eric Holder here in Northern Virginia that um, nobody was talking about. And when I wanted to know why they invited someone that had a 15% approval rating when he left, who's very unpopular within the Bernie Sanders wing for his uh, media probing and everything else, um, I had several mem- uh, representatives from the state and local Democratic Party here either refuse to acknowledge it existed, they told me it was fake, and then what they would try and do is they would try and, you know, get loud. They actually did try and physically remove me from a public event. And, um, you know, just a few days ago, after I, uh, you know, released the audio of this one state-level official from the Democratic Party yelling at me, basically saying Fashion Furious, which was the air-colder gun-running scandal in 2010 during the Obama administration, um, the media probing, the Associated Press ousting, and so many other things, she basically said that none of that mattered. So I'm just, you know, I released that audio, embarrassed them a little bit, but ultimately, it, I'm not getting any answers. 
why aren't they talking about it? Well, about a week ago, it was released that Eric Holder was helping Bill and Hillary Clinton sell uranium to Russia several <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And it, it, gets, it gets worse than that. Just today, the Daily Wire and, you know, the, the Trump uranium, I'm sorry, the Holder uranium deal, that was, uh, I read that through PJ Media, but you can go ahead and go to the Daily Wire today. It was also released that Eric Holder, um, with the Victim Relief Fund during the 2008 Wall Street crash, what he was responsible for coordinating was essentially the secret slush fund of money that received about a billion dollars that was supposed to go towards victims of the Wall Street crash. Instead, what they did was they funneled that, they laundered it, and they gave it to a bunch of organizations and PACs that, you know, put their agenda out there. Organizations that, you know, happen to be under Robert Kramer. Robert Kramer, the same person who Ryan Clayton works for. And then you wonder why all these people suddenly have so much cash on hand. So, of course, the Democrats are going to want to talk about Eric. He's unpopular within their own party. And half the stuff that he's now being caught doing, and they have official um, record in the, in the House of Representatives right now for whatever committee is overseeing that, he's possibly going to go to jail. He was already held in contempt of Congress for Operation Fast and Furious, one of the reasons why he left. And then uh, Loretta Lynch came in to fulfill the rest of Obama's term. But these people, they're, they're, they're a den of thieves. They don't want to talk about reality. They don't want to talk about what's real. They don't want to talk about things that show that they don't care where they get their money from. What they ultimately want is control. What they ultimately want to do is centralize all authority. And anyone that dares goes against them, they're going to take them out one way or another. And it's it's insane. And by their own proclaimed ideals, whether it be equality or equity, and I worry about some of these well-intentioned people on the left, like the Black Lives Matter folks you talked to the other day. I worry that these folks are being duped and that what we will end up with in this country, if you centralize that much power, won't be some socialist utopia, won't even communism. It, it will be fascism. And we've been flirting with it for a long time. And I... I, I just find this incredibly frustrating, and as far as I'm concerned, people can be active in politics as long as it is ethical, that you're not constantly lying, stretching the truth, trying to agitate and get people to, you know, for the sake of a video clip, for the sake of a fundraiser, it just brings out the worst in some people, and so I... Rimzo, I really appreciate you being here tonight, giving us some background, because he was just this guy who showed up on the news, who threw Russian flags, but he comes from someplace, from a whole ecosystem of folks out there agitating, almost essentially laundering money through the political uh, system and the packs we have now. So I really appreciate your time tonight. And again, folks, uh, go to RimzoRepublic.com, Rimzo W. Martinez on Facebook. Where else can folks find your work, your podcast, whatever else you're doing, Rimzo? Uh, we're on every major podcast directory and, and uh, network. The easiest one is just iTunes because everyone loves iTunes. You can go ahead and subscribe to the show on there and check out all the other fun stuff I've got coming down the pipe. Oh, I really appreciate it. I'd love to have you back on, especially covering some of the late-breaking stories like we did tonight. Really a great time, man. No problem, Joey. Take care. God bless. God bless. Uh, again, Rimzo W. Martinez, great guy, um, and I've known him for years now, and I've seen him start from very small to building his own little media fiefdom, and I mean fiefdom in a positive way. Uh, guy's out there, he's pressing hard. Um, he's sort of coming from the right. Uh, he's a conservatarian, you might say, a libertarian, but he has conservative values, and he's fighting the left. Uh, I, of course... 
and the open book on the guy who's making friends every which way. And coming up, I'm going to be talking about an issue that should unite every American who claims to care about our liberties, our civil rights, but especially the Bill of Rights in our Constitution. It should be uniting Americans. It should certainly be uniting Democrats and Republicans. But again, in this land of fear and vaunting, that is vaunting, we are the biggest, the baddest, the greatest nation that God has ever allowed to grace the earth. And yet at the same time, we are constantly fearful of some boogeyman in the closet and the monsters under our bed. It's a nasty complex, and it's leading us to place security over liberty. But I'm telling you here and now, folks, that we can give up all of our liberties for the sake of security. And we will not be free, certainly not free for giving up our liberty. But we will also not be safe. Of course, I'm talking about national and really it's international surveillance. Unfortunately, our government has been conflating the two, national and international surveillance. We haven't even gotten to this discussion of how the rest of the world feels. And that is important to take into account. That when you do business in the United States, whether with the American government or other well-connected corporations, that maybe everything you ever say or do online is collected by the United States government. So coming up, we will be talking about Section 702 of the FISA statute. There's a debate going on in Congress right now. It's not getting a lot of headlines. It's only getting a few. But it's one of the most important issues, certainly to me, something that still gets me heated. Because this... Well, as Edward Snowden said, is turnkey tyranny. George W. Bush crosses the line, and yet the Congress rewards him by saying, oh, those unconstitutional, unlawful things you did, we'll now make them lawful. And the courts, the Supreme Court, won't touch it. Though they'll touch everything else. Obama comes in, expands these powers. So do not renew Section 702. I think that is the answer. But I'll get into the bills on offer. Some people want to make it permanent. Some people want to control, pull back these surveillance powers of the federal government. I personally am not so fearful for my own life or that of my fellow Americans to take away their liberties in the process. Because we... If I can use that word, we. I thought we're in this together not only to protect each other's lives, but our liberties and the ways we find liberty and flourishing in our lives. And yet this continues to go on, president after president, Congress after Congress. But for now, 
I want to get to the album of the day. Now, you might know the old Muscle Shoals song. I think it came out in 1964 by Jimmy Hughes. It's one of my favorite Shoals songs, one of their earliest hits. That piano is so good. cousin of Percy Sledge. He grew up here in Alabama, very close to Muscle Shoals. And he began singing in a gospel quartet, the Singing Clouds, when he was in high school. And though this is one of my favorite songs ever, this particular version, this is not the album of the day. No, the album of the day is by Johnny Taylor. I've featured him before. But in 1972, he was set to go on at the Watt Stacks Festival. But due to overbooking, the show running long, Johnny was pushed to a smaller venue, the Summit Club. And he did his own version of Steal Away. I almost think it's a better version. Look for it. 1972, Johnny Taylor, live you know, the Summit Club. Wait a minute, John. I gets like into this groove. Keep it right, John. Don't lose it. Uh, uh. This is his version of Steal Away. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour? Say what? We'll be right back, what? but for now, I'm going to let the music Don't play. Wouldn't you love to Back to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Getting the album of the day. Johnny Taylor, live at the Summit Club, 1972. Songs, Who's Making Love. I think it was a hit for him in 68, but the live version is so good.
these old songs because you can get lessons from them. Well, uh, yeah, if you're out there cheating on your old lady, she's probably cheating on you. If you, in other words, fail to live up to the golden rule, if you treat people a certain way, expect to be treated a certain way. That if you engage in certain types of behavior, if you advocate certain things, it's very possible that other people will advocate the same. And that's why it's good to have universal sound principles, good virtues. But if cheating is what you're all about, then expect to be cheated on. And if power is your sort of thing, if that's your bag, baby, expect others to seek power over you. And that's how I want to introduce this conversation about surveillance. Yes, in one corner is Senator Richard Burr, head of the Senate Intelligence Committee, who wants to expand the federal government's ability to snoop on American citizens without a warrant. And in the other corner are senators from both parties, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky and Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon who want to significantly restrain the federal government from accessing information collected without warrants. And so the fight begins, of course, quietly behind closed doors. You see, Section 702 expires this year. 702, Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which establishes some of the rules for federal intelligence agencies when they snoop on the communications of foreign targets on foreign soil. This process has been subject to abuse. Surveillance of a foreign target can give investigators access to communications by American citizens. And the FBI has conducted so-called backdoor searches, oh, these backdoor men and women, of those stored communications to fight purely domestic crimes. So they're using foreign surveillance to go after domestic crimes. All of this happens without a warrant and without citizens even knowing their communications have been collected. So is Section 702 set to expire this year? It has to either be renewed for another five years, or some even want to make the program permanent. Because we're in a permanent crisis, don't you know? We're the greatest country on earth, but we're scared of everything. Now, Richard Burr's draft bill not only renews Section 702's current set of powers for the next eight years, it also expands these powers, and it formalizes some of the activities that privacy and civil liberty groups are most concerned about. Burr's bill would formally authorize the FBI to use information from communications collected without a warrant for a list of wholly domestic crimes. These include various violent offenses, kidnapping, crimes against minors, pretty much anything related to quote-unquote cybersecurity, any transnational organized crime, sex trafficking, and anything quote related to the national security of the United States. Furthermore, if the Attorney General of the United States determines that a crime qualifies as part of this list, the bill declares that this decision cannot be subject to judicial review by an actual judge as part of a different part of the government, a different co-equal branch. 
How is that constitutional? Burr's legislation would do much more. In short, his legislation would amp up the government's domestic surveillance powers with little oversight and would shred Americans' Fourth Amendment rights. The good news is is the bill is very unlikely to become law. And this is thanks to a bipartisan push. A good type of bipartisanship. It says we need to respect and protect Americans' liberties. And we can keep them safe while respecting and protecting their liberties. We can protect your liberty while also protecting your life. Before I go on and introduce Senator Paul and Wyden's bill, though, I'd like to go to a piece put together by Reason.com, the Reason Foundation group of libertarians up in D.C. So I'll, I'll let them take it away. As former NSA contractor Edward Snowden revealed in 2013, the U.S. government routinely spies on its own citizens. I, sitting at my desk, uh, certainly had the authorities to, to wiretap anyone from you or your accountant to a federal judge to even the president if I had a personal email. And they lied about it. Does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not. Not wittingly. Oh, clapper. Four years after the Snowden leaks, the government is still collecting Americans' private information. The NSA claims it ended bulk collection of domestic phone calls, but the agency still operates several far-reaching domestic spying programs. Now there's a way to end this unconstitutional practice. The NSA gets its authority to spy on Americans under Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. But the law expires this year after it hits its five-year sunset, and lawmakers will soon be debating whether to renew it for another five or even permanently. Here's why it's vital they let it lapse and don't renew 702. Don't renew 702. Don't renew it. The Attorney General and Director of National Intelligence may authorize the targeting of persons reasonably believed to be located outside the United States to acquire foreign intelligence information. That's the text of the controversial Section 702. It's a statute that allows the government to collect communications between foreign targets and Americans without obtaining a warrant, uh, without showing probable cause uh, or really any level of suspicion of wrongdoing. Uh, The reason that Section 702 supposedly is useful is so that uh, the NSA can spy on foreigners abroad without having to get a search warrant every time they want to open a wiretap. The problem is they're actually using it to spy on Americans. U.S. officials have admitted 702 isn't just about spying on foreigners. In the run-up to authorizing it, former NSA head Michael Hayden even said, communications with one end in the United States are the ones that are most important to us. Government officials, when they try to defend uh, the breadth of Section 702 surveillance and the fact that communications of Americans are being obtained without a warrant, point to the fact that the target has to be a foreigner overseas, and that any collection of Americans' information is incidental. We hear that word over and over. It's just incidental. Communications incidentally 
collected. Incidentally acquired under the so-called incidental collection issue. Incidental U.S. person collection. Incidentally. Incidentally. That word has a particular legal meaning, um, which is somewhat in tension with the common sense meaning. I think anybody listening to that statement, oh, our communications of Americans are picked up only incidentally. Uh, Otherwise, they're full of shaving cream. Would get the sense that the government's not really interested in those communications, that those communications are, are picked up in some way almost accidentally. Um, and that's not the case at all. No. There are safeguards in the law intended to limit the powers granted by Section 702. The government may not intentionally target any person located in the United States and variations on that theme. But the Snowden leaks revealed the existence of two massive domestic surveillance programs operating under 702. Under the PRISM program, the government will approach Google or Microsoft or one of those companies and say, here is a target, here's the target's email address, we want all of the e stored emails that you have for that target. Then there's upstream surveillance. The NSA forced telecom providers to install surveillance equipment along their physical networks so they can capture millions of emails and messages in real time. Kind of like a wiretap on everyone who uses the internet. From there, they created massive searchable databases, think Google, but for searching the private emails of American citizens. The FBI routinely searches through databases that include communications that have been picked up through Section 702 surveillance uh, whenever it conducts an investigation, whether a national security investigation uh, or an ordinary criminal investigation. The FBI, of course, is not a foreign intelligence uh, organization. It's a domestic law enforcement organization. So we, I mean, we know that FBI is using what is supposed to be a foreign intelligence system for domestic law enforcement. Not only were agents capturing and reading messages between Americans and foreign targets, they were capturing messages written by Americans about foreign targets. Imagine you wrote an email to a friend and mentioned something about a suspected terrorist that you read about in the news in the body of the message. Under 702, government agents can read that email. Wow. If you're collecting communications, not just to a target, not just from a target, but communications that merely mention a target or information associated with that target, you are much more likely to pick up entirely innocent communications that are of no interest to you. Uh, not to mention, uh, you're more likely to pick up communications that are wholly domestic between two Americans. The NSA ended about collection after being ordered to examine the practice by the courts. But the agency has other tricks for surveilling Americans under 702. Reverse targeting is when the government's actual intent is to get information about a particular known American. But instead, they choose a target uh, who is a, a foreigner overseas, presumably knowing that the American will be in contact with that person. Reverse targeting is technically prohibited under 702, so agents use a workaround called a backdoor search. I think that backdoor searches are a form of reverse targeting. Now, backdoor searches are when the government goes into the court, says, we are not targeting any particular known Americans. We have no interest in any particular known Americans. Our only interest here is in the foreign targets. Collects the data based on that representation, and then immediately goes looking through the data for the information of particular known Americans. The NSA even has 
uh, cutesy codenames for some of these abuses. Love Int is the cutesy codename for spying on your ex at the NSA. It's done enough that they actually have a nickname for spying on your ex. Even the secretive FISA courts, which oversee the intelligence agencies, have questioned the methods by which the NSA has exploited the law to expand its powers. Documents recently made public revealed that the FISA judges accused the NSA of displaying an institutional lack of candor and ignoring a very serious Fourth Amendment issue when it hid the fact that its agents were knowingly surveilling U.S. targets. So when the FISA court says, that there's a culture of non-compliance at NSA, that doesn't come as a shock to us at all. Um, what does come as a shock to us is when NSA Director Rogers sits in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee and says there's never been an intentional violation. Have there been any instances involving a deliberate or intentional compliance violation? Admiral Rogers? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, first off, the guy who asked that question where Rogers said, not that I'm aware of, is Richard Burr, who not only wants to keep all these programs you're hearing about in this piece, but expand those powers. So they go on at some Senate Intelligence Committee hearing, and they put on a dog and pony show. Oh, no, nothing wrong is going on. Let's continue. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence has made public some transparency reports, and the most recent release indicates that the government is currently surveilling more than 94,000 people or organizations with techniques authorized under 702. And how many Americans' communications are read under 702? We don't know for sure. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence last year uh, promised EFF and a number of other civil liberties groups a number, an estimate of how much data um, that is purely domestic gets swept up. Uh, and then just a couple of weeks ago, the new DNI, Dan Coates, uh, went back on that promise. There were extensive efforts on the part of, uh, I learned, on the parts of NSA to try to come to, to get get you an appropriate answer. We were not <laughs> able to do that. Respectfully, Trump campaign officials and associates themselves seem to have been caught in the surveillance dragnet when they allegedly talked to and about Russian targets. Yet administration officials have made it clear they want 702 renewed without any further changes. The fact that the Trump administration can out of one side of its mouth complain about uh, about collection under 702 and on the other uh, say we must you know snap our fingers and and reauthorize it uh, possibly even without a sunset which is something that we've heard coming out of uh, the White House and Capitol Hill is is mind-boggling if the government is conducting surveillance to find out who you talk to and and if you're an American and you have a Fourth Amendment reasonable expectation of privacy, then this should not be done through programmatic surveillance, warrantless surveillance. It's time that you know, warrantless collection of Americans' communications stop, and that means not reauthorizing 702. Amen. The American people never even got to hear a debate when these programs began in secret under President Bush and only started to hear about it under President Obama after Edward Snowden leaked information that the government never wanted us to hear. It's time to put a real check on the growing, vast powers of our intelligence agencies while we still can. Thank you to Reason TV. 
Zach Weismuller putting that piece together. So what can we do about this? And what are people in Congress doing about this, those who at least care about our liberties? Well, this brings us to Senators Wyden and Paul. Their bill is titled The Uniting and Strengthening America by Reforming and Improving the Government's High-Tech Surveillance Act of 2017. The reason that is so long-winded is because they can have the acronym for this bill called the USA Rights Act. It would restrain the federal government's ability to acquire or access American citizens' communications and to use that information as evidence in court. It would prohibit explicitly reverse targeting, the practice of snooping on foreign targets as the law permits, but with the real motive of listening to the Americans communicating with them. The USA Rights Act includes some exceptions to the demands for warrants, but unlike Richard Burr's bill and others like it, they're limited to terrorism, espionage, or a threat to the government. The bill even gives citizens a foundation to claim injury in a civil court action to challenge surveillance if they have reasonable grounds to believe their communications have been collected. The legislation also calls for the NSA to estimate and report how many Americans have been surveilled through Section 702's authorities. But so far, Rand Paul is the only Republican on board in the Senate. There are few Republicans in the House and the Freedom Caucus like Ted Poe and Justin Amash. The Freedom Caucus is generally more receptive and looking out for your liberties. The Freedom Caucus, who came out of the Tea Party... But right now, no Republicans in the Senate are interested. Senators Paul and Wyden put out a press release and summed up their reasons for introducing this bill. Quote, Without common sense protections for Americans' liberties, this vast surveillance authority is nothing less than an end run around the Constitution. Our bill gives intelligence agencies the authority they need to protect our country, but safeguards our essential freedoms with new provisions requiring judicial oversight, as it should be, and pushing back on the creeping expansion of secret laws and statute. Senator Paul continued, Congress must not continue to allow our constitutional standard of innocent until proven guilty to be twisted into if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. The American people deserve better from their own government than to have their internet activity swept up in warrantless, unlimited searches that ignore the Fourth Amendment. Our bill institutes major reforms that prove we can still protect our country while respecting our Constitution and upholding fundamental civil liberties. Dozens of civil liberty groups are backing this bill, the USA Rights Act. But I fear this isn't going to get the press it deserves. It's not a sexy enough issue. But it does make me think of the hypocrisy, or at least of the double standards, of the people in the administration. Donald Trump and many of his associates were swept up in these programs. 
There are many senators, including Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul, who ran for president, who worry they were also caught in a surveillance net. And yet so many of these folks, without much debate in the public arena, want to take away one of your most precious liberties as found in the Bill of Rights. Your right to be left alone, to be presumed innocent, and free. We shouldn't have a government that is based on trust of the president. Trust of government authorities. Our founding was one which said governments cannot be trusted. Men with power are often corrupted. And they cannot be trusted. Thus, we need to put restraints and limits on the powerful. But now, in this apparently now 16-year state of emergency... The American people's representatives and their presidents, starting with W and Obama and now Trump, are building the architecture of tyranny, the tyranny of the future. A government we must trust and fear and yet love at the same time. That doesn't sound like American government. And in fact, it reminds me of our album of the day. That if you're already out there cheating, the things you care for are probably cheating on you. Well, you can survey with me all you want. Actually, I take that back. No, go the hell away. But we'll see how good that does.